Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 312 of How Do You Write? So happy that you are here with me today as we are talking to Sasha Rothschild. And it was a fantastic interview on how to write distinct voices, which is something that I will and probably always will struggle with. Uh, We talked a little bit about some screenwriting fun and writer's rooms and her favorite show ever, which was uh, the same as my favorite show ever, probably. So that is coming up and you're going to really love hearing from her. So what has been going on around here? A little catch up. Um, I have been basking in the glow of having sent away my manuscript for editing. And I am honest to God in no hurry to get it back, although I probably will get it back within the week. And then I will jump into revisions, which will be fabulous. Uh, But at the moment, I am just catching up on all the things I let slide the end of that deadline. And uh, when I, when I, you know, stopped answering email altogether and things like laundry. So I have been enjoying that and trying not to feel guilty about it because I have, I have two default modes. One is workaholic from hell and one is slacker, but want to die because I'm so non-productive. And really what that adds up to, if you marry those two things is a, is a quite highly productive person. Uh, but neither state is really ideal. Both states are essentially uncomfortable. So I'm trying to do some work and some resting. I'm doing a lot of reading. Ooh, I'm about to finish um, something called Insomnia, which is a thriller, a recent, it's a recent thriller. And I think the, this is not helpful at all. The author's name begins with an S, but it has the image of a girl on the cover, kind of like a young girl. And it is creepy AF. And I really like it. It is a really good example of a domestic psychological thriller with an unreliable narrator who I both dislike, but also really, really love. It's hard to pull off. I do not know how she's pulling it off. And also here's something that I've been thinking about for this particular book. She has three sub-thread mysteries. She has these big three open loops. She has something around the sister, something around a car crash, and also something around her daughter. And none of those three, I cannot figure out how they could be possibly be related. And I'm going to say, I'm going to guess right now that maybe they're not. But be- even if I, some, sometimes I get tired reading a thrilling, scary book, like I'm, I'm just not ready for the adrenaline. But this book, even if the more scary sister slash mom angle is making me tired, I have to keep reading because I got to find out what's going to happen to the daughter or this car crash backstory. Honestly, these open loops that I am dying to know the answers to keep me reading. And it's really great writing and I'm enjoying it very, very much. So, um, and I've been reading a bunch of other books too, but that's the one that jumps out at me when I think about what I've been reading. What else have I been doing? I've been working on the keynote speech for RWNZ, Romance Writers of New Zealand. And I could not be more excited to be working on this speech. I was invited in 2020, and we all know how that went. And then I was invited again in 2021, which is the year that we moved here. And I actually 
happened to be in a quarantine hotel during the conference itself. And quarantine hotels were assigned basically on a lottery basis. And the fact that we got one and we got to get into the country meant that I couldn't, I could do nothing about it. That was when we were going to be in quarantine. So I missed it again last year. And this year, not good. Everything goes well and I will be there giving the keynote. So I um, have been asked to talk about my journey as a hybrid author. And the reason I am bringing this up is that I am considering also perhaps releasing it as a podcast episode at some point. And I wanted to know if there's anything that you would want to know, you would want to ask when, if you were going to go sit down at a keynote speech where somebody was going to talk about their journey of being and becoming a hybrid author who makes money because I want to talk about money. I want to be, you know, you know how I believe in transparency around what we make in terms of writing. So what would you want to know? If you have any questions that you think would be great to be in that speech, I would love it if you would um, either drop me a line at rachel at rachelheron.com. You got to spell both names correctly or hit me up on Twitter. I'm, I'm not really reading Twitter right now, but I do check all my direct uh, replies, my, my 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 mentions at least once a day. And that's just twitter.com slash Rachel Heron. That'd be a great place to leave me any questions that you might want me to answer about being a hybrid author. So thank you very much for that. Um, other than that, I think, I think that's all. I think we're all caught up. I'm just really, really happy to have this, this little breathing space between, between writing and revision. And um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. So let's get into the interview. You are going to enjoy it. Satha Rothschild is an Emmy-nominated screenwriter who has written and produced lauded shows such as Glow, which I loved, The Bold Type, The Babysitter's Club, and The Carrie Diaries. In 2015, she was named one of Variety's 10 TV writers to watch. Rothschild has written for LA Weekly, the LA Times, Elle, and the Miami Herald, and adapted her article, How to Get Divorced by 30, into both a memoir and a screenplay for Universal Studios. She graduated from the honors program of Boston College, summa cum laude, and with a major in theater and screenwriting. Blood Sugar is her debut novel. Please enjoy this interview, y'all. This episode is brought to you by my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir, Write Your Life Story in 45 Hours, which is, by the way, totally doable when I tell you how. It's the same class I teach in the continuing studies program at Stanford each year, and I'll let you in on a secret. Even if you have no interest in writing a memoir yet, the book has everything I've ever learned about the process of writing and of revision and of story structure and of just doing this thing that's so hard and yet all we want to do. Pick it up today. Well, I'm so pleased to have you on the show, Sasha. Will you please give us your name and pronouns? My name is Sasha Rothschild and I am she, her. Thank you. And welcome to How Do You Write? I absolutely loved Blood Sugar. It's one of my catnip genres. It's a genre I write in and um, and you do thriller so well. And this is your debut novel. You've been, you've been in the industry and around the industry for a long time, um, but this is your debut novel. And as we are speaking, this will go out later, but um, as we're speaking, I think it's only been out about a week. Is that right? Yes, it came out exactly seven days ago was the birthday, the book birthday. Because this is so exciting, especially to listeners and always to myself. Um, will you tell us a little bit about what this week has been like? How has it felt? It has felt 
really um, complicated because it's so exciting. The book is in the world. People are reading it. People are having opinions, which is what I wanted. But also, I have absolutely no control over it anymore. It exists. It's out there. And uh, it's exactly what I hoped would happen. I, when I started writing this, I hoped one day it might be published and people would read it. Um, but now that it's out there, there's just a little bit of like, it's, I guess, you know, it's a little, it's a little nervousness. It's, a, it's excitement, but it's also a little nerves about um, response. I think as much as like, it's, it's uh, easy to be like, I don't care, but of course, you know, I care about um, what people think. And I, what I wanted to accomplish was that this was a book that people could love or hate, but really discuss. And so I think that's, I, I, so far, I feel like that's what I've achieved. I'm okay with people, you know, not liking it as long as there's an opinion and not just yes. like a, a meh, like that's sort of my worst fear is a meh. Yes. I have always said that I, I want one in five stars. It's the, it's the three star that like hurt my heart. You know, I don't yeah. want you, I don't want you to be mad. If you hate it, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. And there's a reason for that. Um, and, you know, they're obviously not our readers, but, oh, that's so exciting. Have you been able to do any kind of a launch party or anything? I had, so I had one live event in Los Angeles at Book Soup, which is a great independent bookstore. I love that, that store. Yeah. Um, and then a party afterwards, which was so nice. And that was sort of my one in-person um which was lovely to just be here and to see my friends and to be able to do one thing sort of live. And the, the interesting thing I've learned from publishers um, is that this zoom world of doing virtual events for bookstores, which I've done many this week is actually working really well Mm -hmm. for people. And it might really be the wave of the future in all times. So Totally agree. It helps the small bookseller. You can go anywhere. You can be anywhere. Um, but it is also fun to have a party for yourself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's one party. So that was perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Will you tell us, because this is a show about writing processes, will you tell us about your writing process? How do you fit your writing in um, to the life you're already living? Where does it go? So I am a really structured person and I have been a writer my whole life. Um, I'm sort of was one of those kids that, you know, seven, eight years old, had a diary and was writing short stories or sort of conversations I overheard um, and often felt that if I didn't write it down, it somehow didn't exist in my life. So I've always been a person that sits down and writes. Um, what I'm writing has changed a little bit. I write for TV. I wrote a memoir. I've written articles. I've written features. Um, but writing for me is a, you know, really a five, five or six days a week. I, I wake up, I have my coffee, I do yoga, and I sit down at the computer and I start writing. Um, if I'm on set shooting a TV show, those days are 12 to 14 hours in production, but there's also writing involved. There's rewrites, there's giving actors new lines. If something's not quite working, there's figuring out the next week's episode because we lost a location. So even within that, there's always writing. Um, and then when I'm just sitting home alone on script or working on the novel, I am about, a seven to eight hours a day of really regimented 9am start one o'clock lunch finish 
it's six o'clock. Like that's it. And I just sit there, even if I'm feeling zero passion or inspiration, I just sit and stare at the computer until something happens. And something usually happens. Would you agree? Yes, because I think that there is so much fear for writers and really for everybody or any artist um, of having it not be good or not what you want it to be. And if you don't just write the words, I have this mantra, the words cannot hurt me. And if I just type words, I can then erase them. And I'm like, I showed you words, I erased you. But sometimes the words are good. And sometimes the words help me think of other words. And if you don't sit and write the words, you'll end up with no words. Um, So I think that some days it just flows out and some it doesn't. But always sitting down and typing words is what it means to be a writer at the end of the day. And I love that you said the words can't hurt you. The words can't hurt us. The thing that can hurt us is not putting the words on the page and not doing what it is that we are. Um, I came up with my own mantra today and it's a brand new one for me. I'm, I'm obsessed with, you know, the, the fast crappy first draft. And I believe that most books yes. need to be written that way. And I know that, but I'm in, you know, I'm in a first draft right now. And I just came up with a new poster to put on my computer that says fix it tomorrow, which is a lie. I'm not going to fix it tomorrow, but I'm going to be- choose to believe this lie every day that tomorrow it's, I could fix it. And then one tomorrow, you will fix it. One tomorrow, tomorrow. I will start on the revisions. But um, And if I wanted to, I could sit down and maybe fix it tomorrow. But I know that when I set up my desk tomorrow to do the new first drafting words, I will be ready to do more crappy words. Um, What is your process in terms of, so because you are so structured, um, what is the difference between a first draft and revision for you? Is there one that you prefer? Are you a big plotter? So I am in screenwriting and maybe this is, maybe this is a phrase used elsewhere, but we call that first draft a vomit draft. Yes. You just out. It's terrible. And I'm a big believer in the vomit draft. I write very quickly and it's terrible, but it exists. Then I go in and I rewrite and I rewrite and I rewrite. So I probably do 20 drafts of something where someone else might really take more time in the beginning and maybe do three drafts and it's excellent. But I am a layers person. So first I sort of either get, I know who the character is, but the structure's a mess. Sometimes I know the structure, but I don't exactly know who my characters are. But each layer, I then start building on all the important things, character, structure, tone. um, And then 30 drafts later, it all comes together, hopefully. You are, you are my kind of writer. Um, so speaking of, you know, you've got all of this experience and the other forms of writing, what of that, you know, we've already talked about writing quickly, but what of those other forms, uh, screenwriting and memoir, what is translated over into the fiction writing? Well, the, interestingly, and I, 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 I didn't realize this until I had been talking about the novel this week. And it's, it's funny what is brought to your attention, um, when other people read your work, but I had written a book, a memoir called how to get divorced by 30. And it was a fun memoir about my first marriage. And the anchor of the book was um, why I chose the wrong guy in my twenties. And then I would go flashback to moments in my childhood to explain my wrong choice. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until this week that I realized this novel, it's a different tone, completely structurally it's the same thing woman Ruby Simon sitting 
Yeah, sitting in a police station, being interrogated, and she flashes back to her childhood to show us how she got there. And I realized without realizing it, without doing it on purpose, both are in first person, both are similar structure, completely different, you know, tone and plot and all that stuff. But so I think somewhere in my brain, I really like this structure, obviously, it makes me feel like I can really explore and uh, like, I like the two timelines and um, I definitely like complicated female characters, um, which is very much shown in my TV work. So I don't know if that even answered your question, but it, um, it absolutely did. And I, and I have, um, I loved glow. I keep hearing about the babysitters club from people, you know, I'm 49. I keep hearing for, about, uh, from people like me saying, Rachel, that's your next show. You need to just sit down and binge that. Um, so you're doing work that I already love. Um, what, on, this is just a Rachel question, but what do you prefer to do on a random Wednesday morning? Somebody says you can work, um, in, you know, on the set today, or you can work at home. What do you like better? I love, that's a tough question. Cause I sort of love all of it, but I truly loved TV writers rooms. I yeah. love the camaraderie and the collaboration and coming together with a group full of interesting, different, intelligent writers and just talking story all day and creating story and creating characters and bringing them to life. And it's just one of those jobs. I moved to LA to be a TV writer. It was my goal. And I, it's just one of those jobs that I can't believe I get to do it. I'm still so I'm not, no part of me is jaded after I'm just like, Oh my God, I get to make television. Um, and I love television growing up. I, I love, I was always a big reader, but I absolutely love TV. Even before TV was considered good. I just love this idea of dropping in with these characters once a week. Now, of course, binging them. Um, but I'd say the writer's room is a really wonderful, happy place for me. We all like to imagine that. And I, I believe that's as far as I'll ever get to it, but I, I love thinking about the TV writer's room. Um, what is the biggest challenge in your own writing? Biggest challenge for me, and I have sort of, I think, started to conquer it in my 40s, is um, I've, I feel like I've always been a funny writer. And I came to LA and I was a comedy writer and I could write jokes. But there was a lot of sort of you're funny, but why does it matter or why do we care? Mm. And I was very emotionally um, not open been personally or with my characters. They were really sort of two-dimensional when I look back. And I think what I have struggled with personally and with writing characters is connecting really deep emotion with the humor, because I always mm-hmm. want, I will always be funny. Even with blood sugar, there's a bit of humor and irony mm-hmm. in, in that. But reaching both points, which I think is so special it, when you have a really emotional scene and then you have a comedic button and then you're crying and laughing and Um, And actually working on the Babysitter's Club was one of those shows that I really got to practice that because Mm. there's so many wonderful emotional coming of age moments, but also there's always humor and it's lighthearted. And um, so that was a really nice way to kind of like, I felt like, oh, wait, I think I'm doing it. I think I'm bringing all the things together. That is so cool. It's It's the what and the so what. As, as my friend Cammy yeah. Osman always says, yeah, it, you, you can have the what, but you got to have the so what. A lot of times yeah. I know I don't, I'm not, I'm not ready to write something if I don't have the so what, which is a yeah. lot of the time. What is your uh, biggest joy when it comes to writing? Um, 
my biggest joy is not realizing what time it is and that I've just been, it's like, oh my God, it's already five o'clock. And like, it's almost like sometimes a genie has come in and like written for me. And I, I like in this fugue state of being so in it that time has no meaning. Um, I have two wonderful rescue dogs and a husband and every now and again a giant paw will swat swat me like hello it's time for a walk and I'll be like oh my god it's been hours and I've just oh. been sitting here so there's something about that that's really magical when I'm just that, those are the days where I'm just so in the zone and I'm not just staring at at the words the best feeling the best yeah. feeling can you share a quick quick craft tip of any sort with us there is a um there is a feature. So for screenwriting, there's this program called Final Draft. And in that program, there is a way to separate out all the characters. So you just read one character's dialogue all the way through a story. Ooh. And I find this very helpful, even aside from Final Draft, with any writing like, you know, novel, just take, taking a look at taking one character, pulling all their stuff out, reading it linearly and deciding, is this consistent? Is this voice consistent? Is this character different from every other character? Could I swap another sentence in here and it wouldn't matter, which is not a good, which is means there's a problem with that sentence. So once I create the whole piece, I really start slicing up the characters and looking at each one, do they hold up on their own? And I think that's a very, uh, it's been very helpful. And, and, um, and you can absolutely do it without the final draft. You know, it, it helps with literally seeing, you know, the characters, but you can do it with any work that you have. I know that Scrivener has the feature where you can um, highlight certain parts of speech. So you can highlight all of the dialogue in a text, and then it would be a pretty quick swing through just to use different color highlighters to light the main characters and separate them. And then you'd be able to yeah. read them like that. I think that's a fantastic idea. And one I have never, ever played with. Um, that's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that with us. I can awesome. hear listeners brains exploding at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also, yeah. It's, a hum it's a humbling exercise because sometimes <laughs> you realize two of your characters might as well be one character. What are they really each bringing? And then you can yeah. rethink the whole thing and think maybe that's a stronger one character. And I'm, you know, so how, what's a, what is one of your favorite ways to differentiate voice when it comes to dialogue? I know that's I a difficult question. Thinking, I think I'm really thinking about background is very helpful mm. for me. Where has this person come from? Where are they trying to go? And who are they trying to impress in each scene? I think, especially with TV and with dialogue, with when you have groups of characters speaking to each other, there's so much involved in sort of the hierarchy of the group in the scene or who's the most confident and who's truly authentic and who's trying to be something. So I think background, if you, even if you never show the audience that background, I think it is that sort of, sort of like when actors are like, what's, you know, what's my motivation? motivation. Here? I need a backstory. I think with writers, it's very helpful to also have that backstory for all your characters. And I like, yeah, I love that. And I like watching shows, especially that, that have obviously done that right now. I'm, I'm watching very slowly because I find it very painful uh, and also hilarious, but the show succession. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's not a line of dialogue in that show that could be said by a different person. Yeah. It's very specific. It's yeah. true. It's really, and they're all so awful in their own way. They're so um, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? 
I, well, I don't have a good, well, okay. Okay. I do have an answer. I think therapy, I think going oh, to therapy yes. has truly changed my writing. I think it's, um, it's again, sort of helped me emotionally go deeper, but also helped me to be more sympathetic and, um, sort of more, it's, it's opened me up to being compassionate about different characters I'm writing mm. to, to also understand those characters that I might not think I'd be friends with or like, but also giving them their due. And I think by exploring my flaws, I've tapped into some of that, which is part, one of the reasons why I, in Blood Sugar, Ruby Simon, the main character is a therapist. I really became fascinated with how People in therapy, we go and we tell all of our secrets to this person and we never know anything about them ever because that's part of the deal. And then I started thinking like, well, what, you know, I want to know, like, what, what does a therapist do? And what if the therapist was actually a murderer? And, you know, all these things filled out. But um, I ran into my therapist once at a diner in Santa Monica and yelled, that's my therapist. And completely like put, made a huge deal about it because that was my reaction. And I thought this is so strange. He's a guy who has lunch at the diner. He has a whole life. Um, so that, so being in therapy has, has really helped, helped my craft. That's a fantastic answer. The, the search inside leads to putting better insides into our characters. I think. Um, yeah. And I'm also yeah. judgmental of yeah. characters, I think can really help Certainly. Yeah. I mean, it certainly can help because, you know, with, with, especially with TV shows and with novels where you want the reader or the watcher to hate someone, but then like them and then sort of feel complicated, then like them again and hate, you know, if you want that shift, you really have to understand how you can like them and hate them at different times. I allow myself to be super judgy in a first draft. How about you? I don't really understand them. Full, even especially my main characters probably in that first draft. And then later I try to be a little bit new, more nuanced, but I, I'm just, I'm just judgy in the first draft. Yeah. I think that might be, that might be true. I think it's part of that sort of vomit draft of like sort of one dimensional humans. And then, yeah. you know, I layer and layer and layer. Um, it's really, usually I'm just judging myself in the first draft. Um, yes, yes, so definitely. The characters. That's what that draft is for. Oh God. Um, what is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it? I read um, recently a, an old book called, and I, I grabbed it just in case you were going to ask me this question. It's called the house of God. Mm. And it's this harrowing novel, but clearly very close to home about an intern at a hospital in this 1970s and it is so dark and really funny and 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 shocking and sort of like if you watch Grey's Anatomy you sort of think like Grey's Anatomy is the Disney World version of and I love Grey's Anatomy is the Disney World version of the amount of sex and drugs and depression and sort of horror that doctors go through in their first couple of years of residency and it's so well written and it's be, I guess, and it's, it's a book that almost every med, med school, med student reads. Um, and it was brought to my attention and I just I was really fascinated by it. Who is it, is it, by? Not, it is a novel. So Samuel Shem 
but that is a pen it is a pseudonym and his real name he is an actual doctor and he went to harvard medical school and when it came out that he wrote it harvard was very upset and then it became this like huge bestseller and now they have since like invited him to speak so and now i can't remember his real name but that is so cool okay is is the writer name I'm going to have to read that. And while I have you on, I know this wasn't one of the, the pre-questions, but um, I'm dying to know what it, what is a show, a television show that you wish you had the opportunity to rewatch for the first time? You loved it that much. You would just love to experience oh, it all man. over again. Um, I know it's hard. I think Six Feet Under. Oh my God. That's my, probably my favorite show ever. That was so beautiful and funny and sad and all the things and so well acted and that finale that I think it's the best season series finale, the best series finale of any TV show ever. Um, So I think that's, that is one that I would love to just watch all over again, having not known anything. I love that you said that there was one episode. I don't remember anything that happened in the episode, board, but the mom sits on a couch and the way she sat on a couch, that couch made me cry for like three days. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It was really special. It was a special show. Let's turn it back to you now. Can you please tell us a little bit more about your book and where you can be found? Maybe give us the, the log line. Uh, yeah. More so blood sugar is been marketed as a thriller. Interestingly, there's been a lot of debate this week about, is it a thriller? Which I find, you know, I, I wrote it with, uh, it's twisty turny. There's crime, there's murder. Um, some people have said it's more of a psychological contemporary novel or a domestic thriller, not an actual thriller. I'm, I don't care. I'm just, it's a thriller. I read it as a thriller. Like, yeah. (laughs) So, um, the, uh, the tag on the cover is, uh, She's accused of four murders. She's only guilty of three. And it's about a woman, Ruby Simon, who within the second page, you know, she's a murderer. She tells you, Um, but she's getting um, in trouble for the one murder that she might not have committed. And I think Ruby is someone who a lot of readers will love and sort of there's this wish fulfillment and some will be horrified. Um, She is a woman who could go to a party and then not obsess about, did she say the wrong thing to the wrong person? Did she wear the wrong shoes? She's so self sort of, she's so um, self-assured and, and um, you know, yes, she murders people, but I think there's something very wonderful about her. Um, So that is the book and it's everywhere books are sold and also Australia it's and the UK, which is very exciting. I just, just saw on Instagram. Oh, that's Australia. fabulous. I live, well, I, I live in New Zealand, so I'll be looking at it uh, for it in my local bookshop. Yeah. And it's I'll send you a picture if I see it. Yes, please do it a different cover, which is a great, it's also very cool. I'm like, oh my God, it's international. Um, But I am on uh, Instagram a lot, Sasha G. Rothschild. I, am, I have a website, sasharothschild.com. I'm on Twitter. Who knows for how long? I, you know, it's all very yeah. dramatic, but I'm at Sasha Rothschild on Twitter. Thank you for being Thank here you. so much. It was such a delight to talk to you about you and your process. And I love talking to screenwriters too. I just think it's so exciting. And, and you seem very, very glamorous to me. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, you seem glamorous with the beautiful light coming in the window. It's like, it's the oh, perfect thanks. light. It's like you had the director of photography light your 
your in room. in about 10 minutes, the sun will be like right here okay. and it will not it's be pretty anymore. Perfect timing. So, yes. Thank well, you, thank Sasha, you. so much. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.